Is the rising trend of CGI and digital actors a slippery slope for Hollywood? How far is too far for the uncanny valley? What are the pros and cons? And who really signs off on these sort of things? Let's let's stop there. I should have stopped before <laughs> and see what the viewers on YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope have to say. For you new fans, after we list the headlines at the top of each show and we spend a good amount of time afterwards, sorry, we spend a good amount of time afterwards answering your questions and expanding further on the day's stories. It helps us really learn what our audience is more interested in when it comes to our coverage here at CNET. So if you have any burning thoughts or comments or less fiery ones, just let us know in the chat. We'll tackle as many as we can. BVG, do we have anything at the ready? Almost always. Uh, First, trivia time. I I don't do this enough these days. I've got all these listed for funsies, but I never bring them up, but I'm trying to do better. Uh, Today is Marie Curie's birthday. And just as a heads up for our fellow geeks, Sunday is World Science Day for Peace and Development. It's a day to renew international commitment to the responsible use of science to benefit society. So do something scientific on Sunday. I don't know. Please don't CGI vinegar and and baking soda. And yeah, don't CGI James Dean into it, please. Sunday's the day to go. Wait a minute. No CG James Dean. Right. That's responsible science right there. Yeah, it is. Okay. So let's cover some actual questions from our friends uh, Brian says the movie industry has gone has long gone too far with computer graphics. I'm with Christopher Nolan. If you can do it with practical effects, do it with practical effects. Uh, Timothy asks, does James Dean's family have anything to say about this and who's getting the profits from his likeness? And then uh, Brian's follow up was, I'm sure James Dean family is perfectly fine being paid to use his likeness. Do yeah, we know James about D- this? Yeah, James Dean's family is behind this. So that's how this was even allowed to happen. As for the other person's comment of Nolan doing things practically, I don't know how you practically bring back James Dean, because if you do, that's going to be pretty gross. Oh, come on. I don't think that's what he was talking I about. I think he was. So uh, probably the best example of this would be Mad Max Fury Road about doing it practically, where there was t- there was very little of the graphics involved. Like they actually did a lot of those explosions and the acrobatics, and it looked amazing on screen because of that. So there is a very good argument to doing that, but that's just one movie, and in general, most um, you know, a lot of superhero movies or most superhero movies are like 90% green screen or Seems a very large way. percentage of green screen. Uh, in other aspects, that obviously makes sense to do green screen, um, like The Lord of the Rings. They did a ton of green screen because obviously there aren't ghouls in real life that you would be able to cast. Wait, hold the phone. Mm-hmm. There's not? No, no. Mm-hmm. They don't They don't have those. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> Hold the phone. That's not a thing anymore, is it? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Old man shown right here. Uh, what else we got, BBG? Malarkey. Uh, if this movie is successful with the CGI likeness replica, um, we've already seen this. In, well, you guys talked about Rogue One. You brought up Carrie Fisher. I thought an even more daunting example of this was probably, um, oh, what's the actor's name who played Grand Moff Tarkin? Peter, help me. Anybody? I'll look it up, but I don't know. Peter Cullen. Sorry. Peter Cullen. Uh, bringing him back for the majority of the movie and essentially having a puppeted actor have his face painted over. It, okay, so it, it, that's a little different, I guess. Maybe it's not. No, I guess it really isn't because essentially it's just it's digital makeup, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. an actor will go into makeup to be on a movie. Uh, is this really worse when they use CG? 
But take aside the point that this guy should be resting in peace. I don't know. If they do this, do you think we're going to see more of these? Do we think they're going to bring back Paul Walker in the Fast and the Furious franchise? Uh, where does it go from here? Oh, that would be crazy. Like, I don't I feel like the Fast and the Furious uh, fans would would really rebel against an idea like that. That just seems like it would be in poor taste. Maybe maybe I'm reading the room a little wrong here that they wouldn't because that guy, he died more recently. Yeah, I was thinking there's going to be a window of time where this is semi acceptable, I think. Like if somebody goes ahead and CG's George Washington back, we're not going to be like, oh, no, I can't do that. Right. But then again, you're going to have to go. You're going to have to be a lot more cautious as to what you're watching, because I believe the head of the agency also said that like we could uh, do historical footage of Nelson Mandela doing things. It's like, well, if you're creating these characters, you could create a bunch of video that's already, video's already not trustworthy at this point with deep fakes. This full live action version of, of a character interacting seems a little bit creepy. As for CG makeup versus practical, if they hired a guy and they put up a bunch of plastic makeup on their face so they look like James Dean, I mean, that'd be a positive. But I don't know if they could act like James Dean. So they're going to take as much footage as they can and make this character real as close to James Dean as possible. But how would you even guess how Dean would act in this role in the first place? I don't know. Those are all good questions, which is why you could, in theory, look at it from an artistic perspective to say this is breaking some new ground. It's an interesting idea. Let's see where they go with it. But yeah, it does present a slippery slope, which we're obviously discussing. Uh, There are obviously many, many examples of historical figures that have been played by live actors many times like you know makeup is is very good in actually doing that and the question is is does it take it take the audience out of it any more to have them know that it's a cgi character as opposed to somebody that's wearing a lot of makeup and you know plastic on their face and all sorts of things it really goes to how well the the effect is achieved because with uh, tarkin when he was facing the window, you saw this weird shadowy version of him. It looked really great. When he turns the camera, it has this uncanny valley thing. So mm-hmm. if the CG actor is such that it takes you out of the movie, that's going to be a distraction no matter what. Right. So if it's so, and, even and, with and, bad makeup, same thing. And a good example of that is, is that you avoid the uncanny valley by doing certain things like Golem or the Planet of the Apes characters where those are not human at all. Right. So you, you're just kind of taking that out of place. And obviously they've done a, a ton of work with that with what is it? Andy Serkis. Yep. So this is this is trying to take that another step further to say, OK, we want to try to do this with. Uh, humans that you you know their likenesses and it is definitely a big question mark as far as whether they would be able to pull it off uh, or yeah take people out of the scene and make them feel like uncomfortable about it this is obviously not a new concept but we're definitely seeing it pop up more frequently with the uh the jurassic park question that you kind of floored earlier it's like just because they could doesn't mean they should It seems like a lot of stuff going on in tech these days is like, oh, the technology is fascinating, but the ethics and philosophies are totally screwed. Why are we going down this path? Um, Let's go ahead and reference to Superman Returns was another example of this, maybe the earliest because they brought back Brandau and used original recycled footage and then manipulated it. So it's a little different, but it's still like there's something very different about framing a movie starring a person who isn't alive who can't collect a paycheck it's another thing if it's kind of a meta commentary so like are they making a period piece and they want an actor to come in and portray like a pseudo documentary thing where they're representing 
the actor themselves as a human being in that period. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. if they did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and they got the guy to play Bruce Lee, but they like CG painted a real Bruce Lee over his face. That would be a different approach to this. But if they're just doing a movie, it's like and it stars a guy who's been dead for 40 years. Is that really the right way to go about this? I don't know. That's it, the whole thing's kind of tweaking me out. And I think it's tweaking a bunch of people out. Yeah, I I, I unfortunately or whatever fortunately unfortunately whatever the barometer will be if people watch it if people like it and if it's good if it's good and it's presented well then you'll probably see more of this if it's done in a tacky fashion or the movie sucks then maybe this would kind of push that back and you wouldn't see as much of it yeah why is this happening money that's pretty much it because we're talking about this story, and it, I don't know if this this movie Finding Jack would do so well mm. uh, or get this much coverage based on its plot. I believe it's talking about abandoned dogs and after the Vietnam War. Yeah, I'm not making that up. That's a bummer. That's not. Yeah, so that's an important thing that happened in history. But would that really sell tickets? James Dean coming back, that might sell tickets. Although I don't know who your audience is because since he's been dead for so long. His impact on modern society, probably not as great. So they're like, oh, well, who's... They're like, oh, it's James Dean. He's a new actor. I've never heard of him before. It's like, yeah, because he's been dead for a long time. You're not going to watch new stuff with him. Yeah. Um, what if... What yeah, if, I don't know. What if... Okay, so just because we've had Roger replaced with a CG actor for six weeks now, put yeah. that aside. What if you guys couldn't be on the show anymore, but we got a CG fill-in for you? How would you feel about that? Like I'm dead? Am I you dead? You don't have to be dead. Well, I mean, are we allowed to script our own stuff, or is it somebody else writing our words? I don't know. I, I, um, no, I, I think we may be on different wavelengths here. Let's say, like... Like I had a sick day. You were you were sick, and I put a CG actor in your place and said, it's Ben. How do you feel about that? Just get Joan to do it. Like, there's other people. <laughs> I think I'm fine with it as long as I can script what the CG version of me says. Because I don't think, maybe you guys know me better than me, but I would rather have my own ridiculous commentary. So what you're saying is you would rather be able to submit a script of paper that you did in advance and then not have to do any of the actual work around it. Well, I did see this, uh, I think Adobe has this audio thing where you can just feed it a bunch of samples and it can just craft everything else from what you said. And that'd be great. I think sometimes when I run into some words I can't say, or I have this weird noise when I talk. Mm. So I think that'd be kind of neat. I am interested. I like I'm. I. I. I know. I always come across as the negative one in the show, just a head shorter than Alfred. But I'm looking forward to this crashing and burn. It was one thing in Rogue One when the characters were supporting actors, but Storm King points out that this movie, Dean is the lead. Dean secondary, secondary lead. lead, but secondary but it lead. Is but true. That, that movie has Storm to King carry right. on his shoulders in some fashion. That's a big difference. That's a lot of uncanny valley to deal with at an extended period. So if it it's fails, true. it's James Dean's fault, man. Nobody loses here. <laughs> What's he going to do? Get angry? He no. hasn't been in the papers forever. We're, the we're, papers, we're, see? Are we in an earthquake, by the way? There's there's construction that's been going on. I don't know if people hear this. Yeah, there's construction that's been going on in the building. So um, if, if something falls on my head during this uh, episode. CG Ben is coming in. And you CG me, just make sure that he's just as... Good looking and smart and uh, has a lot of really good lines. Sounds right. like a great idea. Uh, moving on uh, with T-Mobile's announcement, this is uh, whether it's an excellent idea or not, you still have to give credit to them because all the other carriers are doing nothing to improve the overall customer service. 
Um, nah. I'm not. A, are you guys T-Mobile? Who here is a T-Mobile customer? I'm Verizon. I'm a T-Mobile customer. Okay, so what's your takeaway on this? On their ridiculous plan? Yes. They're just trying to get this thing, this deal done with. As, I mean, as a customer. As a customer, I don't really care, honestly, what they're doing because, like, okay, their network is solid in several areas where I am. But I would never choose it otherwise because the the coverage area, the speed I've had with their service in remote areas, just abysmal. So I used to be a Verizon customer because no matter where I went, I seemed to have coverage everywhere. Which is, yes. Which that is, is why, generally what I've experienced as a Verizon customer since I've been in college. Which is why they can say, we don't care about you. You need us because we're going to be there and T-Mobile won't be. So <laughs> right. just deal with it. And so you deal with it. And that's how it goes. So yeah, are the other are the other companies moving forward? Yeah, they're putting infrastructure in for 5G, right? They want to be able to charge you more. And they're trying to figure out how else they can modify the word unlimited to not mean unlimited because every one of them is doing that. Then you've got AT&T busy with its own stuff like, oh yeah, we've got HBO Max and we've got this other stuff. We, we'll be the pipe and the content. We're trying yeah. to figure out how to get people on both our services at the same time. So I don't know if they're doing anything great for customers so much as they're doing great things for their companies. Uh, for T-Mobile, if it does sound nice that they would have a $15 a month plan, give people more access. But when you ran out of your data, you don't get anything else. And you have to pay extra for more data. So it's not like where you get throttled to something slower. Uh, and they have another $25 plan with a higher cap. So I think it's good PR as long as they don't say the second part. But that's why we have good reporting that says, oh, by the way, this is, this is a conditional kind of plan. Uh, so T-Mobile is obviously the low priced player in the market. They've been trying to push that for a really long time. Sprint has also tried to do that, but T-Mobile has been more successful there. So the argument that they're somehow be doing right by customers, I, I think that's a little facetious in that this is a clear business strategy that they want to be the low price player. And obviously they have to be because their service is worse than the two other much bigger players. So T-Mobile has definitely succeeded in getting a lot more customers in the door while improving their service over the past couple of years. But there is a reason why Verizon, as exactly why you said, prices the way that they do, because they can, because their service has generally been better and more reliable. And there are plenty of customers out there that say, if I'm paying for phone service, I want to make sure that phone service works regardless of where I am. So anyway, that's just my caveat on that, to say that just because they're trying to lower prices, that's they're they're trying to do it for themselves too. This right, is increased not, subscriber base. Right, exactly. They're not. It, it is not generally like they're not uh, a nonprofit. They're not in the business of just like handing candy out to kids, except maybe on Halloween. Uh, so it's important to just remember that they're they're not on your side. I've got in a question. general. I've got a question for you. You know how the Verizon guy, the Can You Hear Me guy, became the Sprint guy. Mm -hmm. So sh should, that guy is. Let me, by the way, he's the one that's making all the money. He well, so smart. Let me ask you this: guy did. If and when T-Mobile and Sprint close the deal, do you do you expect the Sprint guy to become the T-Mobile guy? Yes, yes, because he just can't not have a job in in uh, telco. Like people will revolt; they'll be so angry That's if true. they don't and if they don't have him. If they don't have him, they're but gonna make a CGI version of him. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> Uh, Storm King asks, is the T-Mobile deal a merger or is this an acquisition? It's technically a merger, but the surviving company is going to be T-Mobile. I think T-Mobile is buying Sprint. Yeah. T-Mobile is buying Sprint. Sprint's uh, very much been the the laggard here. So uh, T-Mobile is 
making the purchase, but they always try to play it up as yeah, a merger of equals. It's not. T-Mobile is taking over. Sprint. There's tax structures. There's all kinds of fun technical reasons why it'd be called one or the other. But yeah, T-Mobile is the company that's surviving. They call it new T-Mobile uh, because that's just a simple name. Kind of like when Disney bought a bunch of Fox assets and the remaining Fox was new Fox for a little bit. And the hope is, is that with Sprint's assets, because they are national assets, that your service and plenty of other people's service will be considerably improved. Uh, that's at least what T-Mobile is hoping. Yeah, they're going to be using some of that old Nextel data and hey. assets that Sprint bought Why a not? long time ago. Nextel. Nextel. All right. A little bit more about AT&T. Oh, sorry. No, T-Mobile. Because Timothy's asking, do you think T-Mobile would take over AT&T as the second largest carrier once this merger has been completed? Not a chance. I think AT&T, because of HBO Max and all the ridiculous perks they're trying to put together with that, is... They're going to somehow leverage their content to their uh, wireless services to the point where you want the content for free, so to speak, all these deals. So you might just go to AT&T with that. I don't think T-Mobile can offer that other than their zero rated Spotify's and Netflix, that kind of stuff, because they don't offer any kind of content yet, as far as I know. Well, they can partner. Like you they said, the TV there, there are different partnerships that they right. could do. But you're right that AT&T obviously saw this. Uh, entertainment package as as an important way of trying to draw in customers. A good corollary is Amazon Prime, where you get it for the shipping, but you also have the video service. So there are a number of ways to like hook in customers. All right, got a couple minutes left. Let's see what else we can get through. Uh, Imagine Soggy says the CGI wave is too much. The James Dean project should not be allowed. Uh, also, if these projects become normalized, who's going to start getting the nominations and awards when they actually do succeed? Visual effects would probably get a lot of the awards. As for the, I guess, you know, we really need to talk to Andy Serkis. Yeah, again. Andy Serkis has won awards. I'm pretty right. confident of that. But Caesar from Planet of the Apes cannot win an award. But, but Andy Serkis can. Yeah. Right. I mean, like Andy Serkis is an actual person. He did the facial whatnot. Right. So as long as you have the actor in the role with the with all those dots on their face so they can actually emote as opposed to what's being animated. So you have there's really a fine line there. So Andy Serkis would be the expert on right. how to get nominated. There, there is precedent for weird nominations. So Charlie Kaufman and his uh, identical twin brother who doesn't exist were nominated and I think they won for original screenplay for adaptation. Please look this up. But Charlie Kaufman made up another he made up his identical twin, uh, which, you know, they were both played by Nick Cage in adaptation. And um, so it's not like Hollywood hasn't done weird things before. Ayaz is going to look this up to see if I'm even close. You to told right me to. Thank you very much. I, I, it just seems weird. I know we just keep kind of harping back to when we don't really have anything progressive to say about it. But I mean, OK, so here's here. Let's do some pros and cons. Uh, cons for every performance. Now you're going to need to at least double the amount of people that are going to need to go into that workload. It's one thing for an, one actor to show up and get makeup done. It's another thing for an actor to show up and have to have a technician on site, equip them with mocap and then have a team of artists go ahead and paint over them. So it's like, okay, that's jobs. Jobs are good. Does this person, does this open up a whole new market for an acting platform? If somebody's interested in getting into Hollywood, but is maybe anxious about, showing their face is this a whole new thing that's somewhere between on-screen acting and voice acting where they know that their identity is concealed and they thrive for a career and impersonation like really really talented impersonations and impressions 
I'm just I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Um, ah, man. So basically, um, it's like an acting stunt man. So it's I, not just doing the stunts; it's the act man at this point. Yeah. Versions of that yeah, already so, in Hollywood, like body doubles and you know voice actors and things like that. There's also like the idea that you need a technician on on stage and all these other kinds of stuff. I mean, Marvel movies. They have all kinds of bizarre CG things that you didn't even realize. Like every end game, uh, the costumes, that white, black, and red thing, that never existed. It's all CG. That seems so unnecessary. It's Well, they hadn't finished the design. So they had them with markers, and they did that. They also smoothed out like actual practical suits. Any wrinkles are taken out. So you see, if you see like a weird Spider-Man, sometimes that's the case. Or like Captain Marvel's hair is brought in because they didn't know what her hair was going to look like. There's a lot of this stuff happening right now. It's a higher end and much more expensive pro- uh, process. So I guess the question is, how can this be done? I mean, what's going to happen is, if, I don't know how much how many jobs will be created because you're thinking, okay, this is a bigger budget movie. What do we do to cut budget? Fewer people. So maybe we hire one actor. I, I mean, I really look back to uh, the bygone era when Christopher Reeves learned to shoot lasers out of his eyes mm-hmm. and, you know, blow air really good, like like to freeze things. Yes. So that he that could was do training. a good Superman. That yeah. was just that was method acting. And mm-hmm. I like that. It was not an easy. It took a heavy, heavy toll on him. That's right. There are instances where I could see this of value, like in the Harry Potter series when the actor who played Dumbledore passed away before the end of the filming. Granted, the other actor they got to come in and portray Dumbledore was wonderful, but it would have been nice for the sake of continuity. So I guess I could see the the benefits in something like that. But do we know, are there companies or software developers that are really kind of ingrained in this? Do we know anybody who's actively like, is this a, is this a new market, I guess? I guess it depends on this experiment. The question is, it's one thing if you're doing side characters or you're doing the unnatural well, I mean, like character. Is, is ILM specifically or somebody, is this going to be like a new division for them? I mean, they already did it with Tarkin, right? So they, yeah, they've done elements of this before. This really also depends on how much reference footage you have as well. Because if you want to have something look as realistic as possible, you need a lot and a lot of, a lot of footage. It's one of the reasons why a lot of these deep fakes, they would use like the president because there's tons and tons of footage of this person. So it's easier to map that person's face onto something else. But if you only have like a couple of stills, I think there's a Samsung deep fake UI or AI. There's a roller above my head. So excuse me for my, my train of thought being lost there. It's okay. They did a, a talking Mona Lisa. Based right. on that one shot. And it does look okay, but it's because we don't know Mona Lisa. The more we, if you do the character, you're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. That doesn't look exactly like that person. They don't sneer that way. They don't laugh that way. So you need a lot of footage. So is Island working on this? I bet there's them and Weta. There's like the top two when it comes to effects. So I would bet that's happening. Uh, so we, we talk a lot about deep fakes on this show mm-hmm. and how much better they've gotten. The problem is, is that from, from my appreciation of them, they're still very much in the uncanny Valley. I see this stuff pop up on my Twitter feed sometimes where people are like, Oh my God, look at this. This is an incredible deep fake of yeah. Like the Mona Lisa or some other important piece of artwork or, you know, uh, president Obama. Uh, but it looks really good for what it is, mm-hmm. but you can always sense that there's something slightly off with it. And that sense of feeling like it's slightly off, is that going to take an audience out of an entertainment experience? I know I've kind of made that point already, but that's really the concern or that's really the question there. So when you're talking about um, the Avengers games or sorry, the Avengers movies, the Avengers game looks like a mess to me. That's a whole other thing. So, but I didn't know that. I volunteer as tribute. 
I didn't, I didn't know that about the costume, so it didn't take me right. out of the experience at all. And like hearing about it afterwards, I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. It was the same thing as with the Hobbit, where they did, you know, camera effects to make um, force perspective. Hobbits, yeah, force perspective to make the Hobbit look, you know, smaller, shorter, shorter than they the actually bigger are. Look bigger. Yeah, exactly. It's like a wizard or some kind. I don't know. I don't I'm know not sure. Sally and I were just talking about how in The Fast and the Furious, how Paul Walker tragically was taken away from us, but they were able to conclude his story arc and give him a send off by recruiting his brother and his family Mm -hmm. to kind of come in and do that. There are ups and downs to this. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. Obviously, the technology is fascinating. Like I mentioned before, it's all about the philosophy now about where they go with this. How does this differentiate between um, someone acting and portraying someone else and then bringing like Michael Jackson back from the dead and throwing him on a hologram up on stage using recovered footage. How is this different from that? How is this different than acting? No, no. So uh, having a, a film with an actor portraying a character, but the character was a real person and they use that real person's likeness to CG paint over them to try to make this pseudo seamless. That's less genuine or more genuine than when they do a concert and have Michael Jackson come back in a hologram form and, call it a michael jackson concert are these two different things yeah i mean if you're using essentially reusing footage of a performance and you're making it into pepper's ghost or something that's not so that doesn't seem so crazy that just seems like you're projecting a already existing piece of footage if you've recreated the whole thing and maybe slapped the face on michael jackson in this case uh running around and you slapped the face onto an actual dancer so you could have a 3d presentation i guess that's a little stranger but that's more of a I guess like a performance. Something about a movie is a little different, I think. Uh, I think people, they'll watch, in the old days, we'll look at iTunes visualizers while music happened. It doesn't matter really what you're watching, I think, with music. When it comes to acting, though, that's a lot of that's in the face. So I think there's something inherently different with acting versus musical performances. So yeah, who I don't else? really think they're that different. It's, you know, profiting off of dead celebrities one way or the other. So but It's easier to do that with musical acts. An unreleased song. We finished it for you. I, that's the other thing with Paul Walker. At least he was in the middle of shooting that thing. Same thing with, with Brandon Lee, with The Crow. I think it's okay to use or reuse footage within the movie the actor was finishing off mm-hmm. versus, okay, this actor's never been in this movie. And let's, let's bring him in. That, that, I think, is really the strange part. Right. And yes, it, it's, it's that kind of line that we're discussing here. That's, that's a good way of putting it. Sounds like great ammunition for a Scooby-Doo reboot. That being oh, said, God. mind you, I'm actually Jeff Bacalar right now. This is all this is all effects. You've been bamboozled. Uh, we have to get going. It's been a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, but before we go, who do we think they're going to try to bring back next? It's a morbid question, but we had to ask it. Who's next after this? Oh, you're asking us? Yeah, I am us. asking you. James Dean made kind of sense because, like, that's one of the most iconic actors in the history of Hollywood. But who would, who else would, would they try Frank to do? Sinatra. I'm trying to think of like B. Arthur. B. Arthur. Is she dead? She's been dead. She's been dead. Yeah, that is so sad. Uh, I gotta bring I, her back for a Golden Girls reunion. We need to bring back B. Arthur and the lady who played Blanche and Estelle Getty, so Betty White can say her last goodbyes. Okay. Actually, I don't hate that idea. <laughs> I would watch now that. Now you like the idea. You've no, been creeped out about it this whole time. No, I would just watch more Golden <laughs> You're like, Girls. Like, actually, Golden Girls, I'll make an exception. All right. 
thanks again, everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Ayaz, you can go ahead and take us out of here. Yeah, you there. Don't you forget to subscribe and ring the bell so you can join us here live weekday mornings, not including Friday. And if you have the chance, you can take a peek at the links below to learn more about today's topics. And you know what? You should feel free to subscribe to our audio podcasts. For The Daily Charge, I'm Ayaz Akhtar. I'm Ben Fox Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.